to Gal on the Go Unplugged. Based on the blog, my guest today is Samantha Wolf, storyteller and author of Django the Greyhound Gets Adopted, an excellent book for adoption and foster families. Uh, in Sam's book, you follow Django of Racing Greyhound on his journey of unknowns and anxieties of the adoption process and the many transitions that await him. I met Sam when she stepped up to help me with a yoga event for Music is Art in Buffalo. I was immediately impressed by her drive, work ethic, and positive attitude. So thank you for joining me today, Sam. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so glad that we met each other a couple of years ago now, right? 2019? Yeah, I was definitely all, I was in grad school at the time and Um, An opportunity came about through the department. Um, So Kimberly and I both went to Buff State. We're both alums. And I was in my master's program. And somebody had sent out a memo saying, who wants to help out with this rock and flow yoga? And told me about Kimberly. I was like, absolutely. Like, why wouldn't I? (laughs) Yoga, music, communications. Like, yeah, it was great. And like, we've kept in touch ever since. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, and you are doing amazing things yourself now. Um, so proud of you, and this is so exciting. So ever since you were a little girl, you had dreamed, um, you know, of being an author, and you knew you had said that you knew you wanted to act upon it one day, but you weren't sure like how you would go about um, the writing end of it. So you wrote your first book, you know, um, which is Django the Greyhound Gets Adopted. And I was wondering if you could share with people, like, how did that come about? And what do you want readers to take away from it? Yeah, so it was probably late, yeah, late 2020, like the fall of 2020, when I really got serious about it. It was one of those things that I thought I would just do someday. One of those things, like, I'll do that someday. But like, someday never comes, you kind of have to make someday happen. So, you know, as we're nearing the end of like this year of quarantine, I was like, well, what better time? Like I have more time at home than ever. Like I can actually, I have a little extra time to think about how I want this to go, how I'm going to launch it. Um, So I just sat down and was going to start writing. Like I really didn't have a plan. (laughs) Just like whatever comes to mind. I know I want it to be a kid's book. Um, That was just as a kid, I just loved reading so much. So I knew that I wanted to write a kid's book first. I mean, I had wrote kids books as a kid, never published them. Of course, they were like crayon and construction paper, Aww. but always, always about animals and stuff. So I'm like, well, let's make it about an animal. Like those really spoke to me. So I'm sure that many kids can relate to those stories still. And I was kind of looking around, I was sitting at my kitchen table And I see Django just laying there being his goofy self, like laying on his back. And I'm like, huh, because I mean, there's so many animal kids stories out there. Like how, what's going to make it unique? So I thought his was pretty unique because not only does it come from the, the adoption side of it, you get that side of it and that background. And that can speak to the kids who have went through, um, you know, the fostering system through adoption families of whether you've been adopted yourself or you have brought someone into your uh, family through adoption. Um, But also the greyhound side of it. I feel like a lot of people aren't familiar with greyhounds. They're not a really well-known breed. So it was nice to be able to educate from that side as well. 
So it was kind of multi-purpose. I felt like that was a unique um, story and also meaningful. So it kind of checked all those boxes. So I sat down, I wrote it in one night. I mean, it's a kid's book. It wasn't a super long script or anything, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) I wrote it like in one sitting um, I made a couple little tweaks, but for the most part, I'm like, no, this is the story. I think this, this makes sense. And from there, I just had to find the illustrator to bring it to life. Um, I did that. I found her online through, um, Upwork, which is like a freelancing platform. I didn't know exactly what style I wanted, but I knew what styles I didn't want. It was one of those situations. So I kind of had to sort through a lot of different, portfolios and be like, okay, so that's what I want. So I had to pitch her the idea to her, see if she was on board, came back to me and then we, she accepted it. And then we worked collaboratively. Like she, um, a little storyboard for me. And I wrote down exactly what I wanted page by page, what I wanted each one to look like. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was an experience. It took a while, but it was a lot of fun. Well, the final product is beautiful, the story and the illustration. So you obviously meshed really well together. Thank that was... you. I appreciate that. Now, okay. So, you know, given the book experience, what has been the biggest thrill for you uh, overall to this point? The biggest thrill, I guess, is having the book in multiple libraries now. I think that's so cool. Like I'm a big library nerd. I still have a library card. I rent books from the library all the time and having it in not only my local library, like right around the corner for me, but also the Buffalo public library system. So it's available. Um, you could get it in any of the libraries in the system. And Very then, cool. yeah. And then also where I went to school, West Valley central, um, very small little school, but it's in the library there. And I know that um, there are some kids who uh, go to school there who have um, been pretty excited about reading it. And like, I wrote a like personalized message in there. And like, I think it's just cool. Like I would have been so excited to see a book from somebody who went to my school, like in the library at school. I just think that's really cool. Absolutely. So, that's super yeah. inspiring. Um you know, to the kids and probably the staff that work there because you're a product of their, you know, investment in your education. And I I think it's really cool, actually, that your book being in the public library system, because a lot of those children, like the adopted children, the foster children are from like lower class situations and they might only have access to the book because of a public library system. Um, you know, th- they might not otherwise get exposure to it because they don't have the money and they, you know, can't, can't get access through like an Amazon or a Barnes and Noble or, you know, like let's say a, a more mainstream fancy way. So that's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. seems like a good fit, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I think access is super important and I like having, like, I totally get the having physical copies of books, owning books. I like owning books too, but I think it's really important to like, I just think libraries are so important. And again, it's just that access piece. It's you can read so many books, but you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to have all these books on your shelves, you know, cause books aren't cheap either. Like, let's be honest. So yeah. Yeah. So that's been pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. So, 
Uh, on the flip side of that, that's the, you know, the, the most thrilling part of the process so far. So what has been, you know, getting to the nitty gritty of someone that might also be considering doing something like this? What, what, what did you find to be the biggest challenge in the process? I think the biggest challenge was not getting instant gratification out of it. Like I wrote it in one night, I was just like, ready, let's like launch it. So, and as soon as I told people that I was writing a book, where is it, where is it, where is it? And it actually was kind of a bit of a process to get it exactly where I wanted illustration wise, um, formatting it correctly. I mean, it's great that we live in a time we do now because I literally got the, like they're print on demand. So once you get it set up online, people can order them, have it printed right then and there essentially and have it shipped to them. So I mean, it was nice once I had the formats down, like everything was set online. That didn't take, like setting it up was not the hard part. Um, It was like like all the ISBNs, you have to get that. Like it was just a learning curve for me. Like, should I get a free ISBN? What's the difference between that and purchasing an ISBN? Like, should I do soft cover, hard cover? And you can only do soft cover with some programs. Like, so I did Amazon KDP. They have their own publishing platform which that's how they started, right? They're, they were a book company, which is crazy to think about now. Yeah. They're everything and everywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> going back to their kind of original purpose in books, it's nice because you can just upload everything there. Um, they do soft cover, they do eBooks, but they don't do hardcover. And that was a big thing for me. I wanted the hardcover. Like to me, that's what this kid's book should be. And it's meant for kind of younger kids too. It can appeal to older children, but um, so it needed to be durable, in my opinion. And that's that was just kind of my vision for it. But Amazon did not do that. So learning where to do that and like how that program worked. So I actually worked through Ingram Spark. Um, if anyone else is self-published, they're probably familiar with that, especially if they want a hardcover. And then Ingram Spark works with distributors such as Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Target, Walmart. So the books, the book is available online so many places because of that too. So that's oh, that's thing. wild. And I remember when you were debating in the beginning and you talked about the book and like which direction you wanted to go and how hardcover was important to you for that, you know, the aspect of the durability and like mm-hmm. just the feel like, you know. Yeah. So I guess going back to the the question, I kind of went on a, a tangent there. But <laughs> so the hardest part was, I guess, just getting up to speed with everything, not being familiar with it. I mean, resources are out there. With just putting the time in and realizing exactly what needed to be done. And then just realizing it was going to take a little bit of time to launch it. Cause I was just ready to do it right away. Well, Hey, when you're passionate about something, you know, you have that enthusiasm, that enthusiasm is driving you. So you know what, like props to you. <laughs> it's understandable why you would feel that way. Um, Okay, so you have used research and trial and error through your process. Um, You've had those who have come before you. Who is your um, author idol, let's say, uh, and and why is that specific person important to you or special to you? When I first launched the book, I had said Kurt Vonnegut, and I still stand by that. It was one of those authors that in high school, I, that's when I was like introduced to him, became familiar with his works. Um, I was just like, it was just so impressive to me. And again, because his writing style also is fairly simplistic, but it's so impactful and it's so unique and creative. And the fact that it really spoke to me that he didn't start writing, I think um, I'd have to look this up, shoot, but I think until he was in his forties, 
So he was kind of like a late start and he got so popular and so big and was so, so successful that it's like, you can do anything at any time. There's no time limit or time frame on success. I love it. You know, it's, that speaks to me <laughs> personally. Also, I, I don't, I, I love that it's open-minded and there's no time limit and whatever your passion is, go for it. You know, don't get hung up on the when part, just uh, do it if that's what you're feeling now. Okay. So going from your idol and then back to like your book, what, what drove you to, you know, um, the book as far as like what you would be consider it to be a successful like number of copies you sold money you let's say raised um gray exposure of greyhounds as a breed what's one of the biggest you know points for you that you had hoped the book would bring out yeah so success for me was just being able to re- one if one person could relate to the story to me, like I was not thinking this is going to blow up. This is going to be large scale in any way. I mean, that's cool if that happens, but to me, if it can make a difference to one person, that's amazing. Um, but I guess what equal parts I set out to write equal parts, education and equal parts, um, providing a sense of, um, kind of understanding for somebody or like, um, like that can, somebody can resonate with this story. Right. So if anybody, like I've had so many good conversations throughout this process, it's been so cool. Um, seeing that I went to, well, adults now, um, that I went to high school with, with reading it to their kids or sharing like people who I was, I worked with ex coworkers saying how their kids love it so much. And they read it every night. Or um, I was at a couple events and some people were talking to me. They had a child that they adopted into their family and were like, oh my gosh, I want to get this. And then we just start talking about the story and how um, they came to bring them into their family. And I just think that's so important. And if, I mean, if you can see yourself in a story, I think it's really validating. Even if it's through a dog, it's fun. And it's, um, you know, you're learning about his story, but you're seeing yourself in it too. So um, yeah, so equal parts education and then having that sense of connectivity. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, uh, I think that's a wonderful tie and a wonderful thing to, um, you know, tie to in the success of what you were anticipating. Um, now, okay, so, you know, children, your book could be a child's favorite book that they reference as they get older. Um, you know, so that makes me think now, what was your favorite book as a child? Ooh, Hmm. That's tough one. (laughs) I had, I just feel like I read so much when I was a kid that I don't have too many that stick out, but I did love, um, Shel Silverstein's where the sidewalk ends. Okay. That was such, I mean, it's not like, I guess it is a book, but it's multiple poems, right? It's not like one story. Um, cause of all those little illustrations too, like I can still see them in my mind. Um, that when I got a little older, I really liked the goosebumps books. Those are kind of spooky and those were fun. Um, and then Harry Potter. I mean, the storytelling there is obviously it's resonated 
to this day. And I don't think it'll ever stop being popular. So those were some of the the ones that come to mind for me. Those are pretty intense. Those are some good ones. (laughs) I am not surprised to hear that those are some of your favorites and they (laughs) probably had some influence on you. If you knew Sam, like I know Sam, (laughs) that would make perfect sense. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) I think that that's a compliment. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am shameful to tell you mine then because yours are so like profound. (laughs) My childhood favorites are not as profound. Like what? That's okay. (laughs) Uh, So, okay. So you participated um, in, I I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like your first uh, readings, your first public readings. and I was wondering what those experiences were like for you since it was a first time for you. Yeah, I did one reading event. So I've done multiple like vendor events and um, I've brought Django to one event as well, which was a lot of fun. But then I did one reading event and that was in Springville at the historic Joyland Theater there. The local journalist set that up. It was all local authors. It was called Local Author Night. So it was just super neat to see all the different types of authors like um historical there were there was crime there was you know kind of like um a rom-com type situation like everybody had their own different genres and I was the only person there with um a kid's book so it was just really neat to see all the different talent and it was cool and I actually got to so it was a reading event I read the book, which is not super long because it's a kid's book and we're supposed to fill up 10 minutes. I'm like, what am I going to read the rest of the time? This is not 10 (laughs) minutes. So I actually started reading from the new project that I'm working on and people seem pretty interested in that too. So that was neat to get that out there and kind of give myself a little kick, like, okay, now you got to start working on this because people know. You put (laughs) it out out there. there. (laughs) So that was cool. And that was kind of a, a kick in the pants for me. And we did a little Q&A session. So it was just neat to like have that one-on-one with the audience. And especially because coming out of COVID and lockdown of this last year and a half, almost two years, you know, that was really nice and refreshing. Okay. So you mentioned it. So I have to go there. So share a little bit about the project that you shared with them. Yes. So I read the first chapter of a book that I'm working on with the working title, Curious List. So it's a dystopian, futuristic, uh, new adult novel. So that's like not quite young adult. It's a little bit older, like I'm thinking like college age. And it's a story where everybody is the same. No progress has been made in a very long time because everybody thinks kind of the same. Their IQs are generally the same. Um, again, they look exactly the same. And it was all for the purpose of minimizing conflict. But that means that mm-hmm. nothing new has happened in so long. Um, but you can assume that something might happen because that's why I'm writing a story. So mm, yes. intriguing. <laughs> yes. Now, what are your plans for that as far as um do you have like a time that you're aiming to come out with it? Um, will this also have some illustrate, you know, given of course the difference in the type of book it is, um, will it have some uh, illustration, even in terms of like the cover, let's say, and will you work with the same artist? Or are you going different this time all the way around? 
Yeah. So I haven't really thought too much about the art yet. I mean, the cover is super important for a novel. I'm not sure I'll work with the same illustrator because it has such a different feel, a totally different genre, obviously, sure. totally different audience. So I kind of think I'm going to start really like mapping out what I think I want for the cover and for the art probably close to the end of the project because then I'll have a really good idea of what I, visually I want to see for it. In terms of the timeline, um, I would say I'm about a third of the way done with it. So maybe like for sometime in the first quarter of next year, like I'm not trying to make this a marathon. Like I actually did start NaNoWriMo this month, which was National Novel Writing Month, which is a goal of writing 50,000 words through the month of November. Wow. I did so well the first week I stayed on track. And then I just got like with work and life, I just felt real burnt out. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't need, like, it would be nice to do this, but also I made such good progress in one week. Even if I did that for four months, like a week sprint, like you could have the novel done in a few months, you know? So I'm hoping to have my first draft done like the beginning of next year, maybe early spring. Okay. Fingers Great. crossed. Yeah. So I'm trying to like you, like it's tough when you're working full time and you're working on things on the side. It's not like this is my full-time job, you know, it's, and I want to keep it fun, fun enough, not feel like a job. So absolutely. And yeah. you know, um, I've always believed this cause you know, I started out with a background in art and then changed the communication field. And I know you you can't rush it. Like if you're feeling something, if it's going to be truly the product you want it to be, the story that you want it to be, um, it has to come like organically. You can't be like today I'm writing ten pages and you know I'm that that's it, like all regimented because of course um, that's stifling to a creative person. And you're just so incredible. I I, I that makes complete sense that you would want to do it like um, when it feels right, not like on a set type of schedule thing. Well, thank you. I mean, that is how I was starting to feel like, oh, this feels more like work than fun. And it wasn't feeling as, yeah, the creative juices weren't flowing, but I definitely need a little bit of a structure too, because sometimes like, oh, it's not coming. It's not coming. Like when will it, you know? Yeah. So it won't just always magically pop up out of the blue. So I still need a good structure. I think um, I'm figuring that out right now, what exactly that looks like. Cause it's not writing um, 2000 words every day. That was that's <laughs> not working. That's not sustainable for me. <laughs> maybe a thousand, maybe 500, you know, cause any progress is progress. And that's what I have to remind myself to have to fight against those perfectionistic uh, tendencies. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so you have the um, dystopian book that you're working on that that's going to be coming out. Um, do you have uh, uh, other things that you'd like to share? Um, I don't have a whole lot in the works other than trying to focus on that right now. I am going to be putting together a fun little holiday thing for Django, like a little add on. So I will keep you posted on that. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So nothing huge, but I think it'll be fun. And just a shameless plug for myself, because I am a communications professional and that's what I do during <laughs> the day. Um, if anybody needs any 
like content creation, press releases, things like that. That's what I specialize in. So if we can work together, like I like to get more into the freelance side of things again. Uh, I actually did a pretty long form freelance piece that was just for fun, but I got back into freelancing a little bit this summer for Buffalo Tales. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the publication, the online publication, Buffalo Tales, but that no. one was a lot of fun. So yeah, I guess I'll plug that too. So yeah, go for <laughs> yeah. it. It the was about yours. <laughs> Western New York beekeeping. And it was just a lot of fun to learn. Like I'm just a naturally curious person, especially when it comes to um, like the natural environment and animals. And it was just such a fun piece to learn about and to write. So I would check that out. I think it's super neat. But yeah, also if anybody needs anything um, content wise, press release wise, like reach out to me. I'd like to see if we can work together. All right. Yes, please. You would, you cannot go wrong if you have Sam doing something for you for a project. I'm telling you, she's amazing. Um, well, to buy a copy of Sam's book, go to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com and to check out Sam and her cool projects and her Instagram site and to contact her for freelance work, um, go to at sam.says11. And Sam, you are just incredible. I adore you. I, I cannot wait to see these other projects as they evolve. Um, thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today. You keep inspiring and rock on.